Hey there, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Today is Saturday, January 19th, 2019. Welcome, January. Anyone doing a dry January? We've got a dry January situation happening over here in the Brian Francis podcast compound. And what it looks like is this. I've been playing a lot of ping pong with my daughters, uh, you know, trying to kill some of that time. And it feels like a Christian day camp over here. Now we're having fun. A lot of ping pong is what dry January looks like. Hey, do you want to play some ping pong? And then maybe later we can talk some scripture. That's the vibe going on over here. But it's a good time. Folks, I got to talk to you about something that occurred late last night. This is breaking news in Bucks County. The newly opened Steak and Shake, which in Warminster on Street Road, which was open for 14 hours, burned down. Burned, a grand opening burned down. If you remember a previous podcast in which I spoke of Gander Mountain, the quickly deteriorating grand opening and closure of Gander Mountain. Steak and Shake breaks the record for shortest time open, 14 hours. Folks, this reeks of insurance fraud, doesn't it? Just reeks of insurance fraud. You know when these businesses are going to do this because the openings are always awkward. Steak and Shake was supposed to open in September, and then it was delayed till October. I've seen other businesses like this where the liquor license, the orange application, the fluorescent orange sign for a liquor license application appears in the window and then disappears and then reappears, and the whole opening is like a very subtle drama. So the Steak and Shake opening delay, I think it's Steak and Shake. Or is it Steak Shack? I don't want to disparage the wrong business. I believe it's Steak and Shake uh, opening and delayed, delayed, delayed. Opened fire last night, 14 hours. I smell insurance fraud. Should you want to dispute that, I welcome any representatives from that fine company because I don't want to disparage them without a chance for them to say their thing, man. But here's the problem with the crime. There's no poetry in it. There's no, po- you immediately open and then burned it. You gotta give it a couple weeks. You gotta sell this thing like you're interested in it. You gotta have Boy Scouts there posing in front of it. You gotta do a couple PR things. You can't just torch it night one. Patience, man. That could be my business. I help people with the poetry of insurance fraud. Patience. One of my daughters did go to the grand opening and grand closing of Steak and Shake. I said, wow, what was it like? She said, we said, like, were there any special activities or events because it was the grand opening? She said they have balloons. 
that 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 doesn't even sound like they're trying that hard. They have balloons. Well, of course you had balloons. This is Bucks County. We demand more than just balloons. Entertain my girls. They've seen and done everything in the world. They're not impressed by your measly balloons. And then the statement from Steak and Shake this morning on the news was, uh, we want to thank our... <laughs> I can't even believe they said... We want to thank our customers. <laughs> and, you know, we wish them well. Two things strike me as strange about that statement. One, I mean customer. You had 14 hours worth of customers. Two... You don't really seem fighting to keep this thing alive, do you? You seem ready to wash your hands of this whole debacle. Ah, we want to wish and we had a good run and thank you and exit stage left. Were you a true owner devastated by the sudden destruction of your business, you'd be reeling in remorse and sadness. And you might even rally and say, yes, we had a fire, but we'll be back. Not steak and shake, instantly washing their hands of this. Insurance fraud. Eagles lost, folks. Lost to the Saints. I almost nailed the exact score, 21-20 Eagles, because they were driving in the final minutes of the game, and it would have been that had they scored, but they did not. And they came up a little short, and I am bummed. I am not as bummed as I usually am when the Eagles are knocked out of the playoffs because I feel like I've won a Super Bowl. It's softened soften the blow a little bit. Normally, I'd still be in denial mode one week after the game, but I'm already well into acceptance. Well into acceptance mode here. So, I watched some of the other games, obviously, too. And uh, watching football with my wife is like this. She'll say, I'll say, this new uh, quarterback for the Chiefs, this Mahomes, he's unbelievable. He can run, pass, he... He did this no-look pass. He's really, like, revolutionizing the game. My wife said, is he a nice guy? Is he a nice guy? I said, I, I, don't, I don't know. I said, but I do know his touchdown-to-interception ratio. Is he a nice guy? This is women. They want narrative. Women seek narrative. If we go back into our analysis of football as evolutionary psychology... I feel I could increase NFL viewership by 100% if the production simply provided more narrative for female viewers. If on the left in white were the statistics on the field and on the right in pink, is that sexist? I don't know. In beige, would you prefer beige? There was a little narrative about how nice the guy was. His nice guy power rankings. Oh, 9.7. Nice. He's very nice. He seems to be a good guy. If we look at football as metaphor, I think my wife subconsciously is hoping that the man who brings the ball into the end zone is a good father. If the ball is the seed and the end zone is the egg, she hopes that the seed bear is a nice guy. Whereas I just want more touchdowns. I just want random touchdowns everywhere. <laughs> I think he is a nice guy. I don't know. And then she doesn't understand the clock. I said, 
She said, well, there's two minutes left in the game. I said, no, but, but they don't have the ball. It's not two minutes. Football clock is subjective. It's not a, a regular two minutes. It depends on what's happening. My friend did some wagering on the games this weekend, and he did a couple teaser bets. And uh, I said, well, well, you know, how much did you uh, lay on the line? He said, well, put it this way. If my teams win, we're going to Disney World. If not, we're probably going to McDonald's. I thought, wow. His kids had no idea how much was riding on this football game. It's the difference between Disney World and McDonald's. Mickey Mouse or the Hamburglar. He would probably try to sell his kids on the idea that McDonald's was actually Disney World. Hey, go see, go see Mickey. He's got his, uh, his burgling costume on. And there's Donald Duck, that big purple creature, that big shapeless purple creature. That's Donald Duck, honey. All because the Rams and the over didn't come through for him. Gambling. Devastating hobby. But the Eagles lost. And my wife struggled to understand it. Sometimes I want her to call sports talk. She's like, what should I say? I said, just call and just do you. Just do you. So now we go back to, uh, now that the Eagles are out of it, we go back to what I like to call ordinary time. To borrow a phrase from the Catholic calendar. Um. Ordinary. I think there are high holy days. Part of that is the, in the Catholic season. And then when nothing's going on, nothing's doing, that period in the calendar in the Catholic mass world is referred to as ordinary time. That's going to be the name of my memoir. Brian Francis, Ordinary Time. I mostly live just in ordinary time. This podcast is brought to you by Integrity Wealth Management. They can help you with portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning and services, life insurance, and wealth preservation strategies. Please call them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagementmgmt.com. Integrity Wealth Management. Just got the confirmation that my kids are going to sleepaway camp this summer. It has been confirmed. They have a place, a spot, and they will be going again for the third or fourth summer in a row for a period of time in the summer uh, to sleepaway camp. I feel that I am a great father from a distance. When they are at camp, I write unbelievably whimsical and knowledgeable and profound letters, giving them guidance as they navigate the world of teen, tween, and young adulthood. From a distance, I am like John Adams writing his children to cite a founding father. Dearest child, I write in my feather pen dipped in ink. I hope the day has found you well. 
This is when I kill it in parenting. Face-to-face, not that strong. Not that strong face-to-face. On ice, if my kids go to an ice skating party, I still retain the pond hockey skills, and I'm a great ice skater. Gorgeous on the ice. Fluid. Poetic. I'm the one helping all the kids with their on with their skates and turns and slides and spins. I'm the greatest parent on ice. On land, not that strong of a parent. On land, below average. On ice, A+. If only I could parent on ice or parent by letter. These are my strengths. I'd like to play to my strengths. We got some snow coming today. Did you get your bread and milk? Did you go to the giant for the bread and milk? I did. And the woman gave me my receipt and said, there's a survey on the bottom. And I thought, I will never, ever fill the survey out. We can just stop this right now. Even if the survey was, if you answer three yes or no questions, you'll get a new car. I still won't fill it out. I'd be like, cool, cool crumple it into my pocket and never look at it again. The snow is coming. Uh, A number of years ago, I had an incident in a snowstorm. I, at the time, was a young bachelor, uh, newly dating my wife, I believe, at this point, and I had this super cool black Mustang, Ford Mustang. It was dope. And uh, when I had this car, the first snowstorm arrived, which was a light dusting, So I dusted off the Mustang and proceeded to go to work. On my commute to work, I traveled up the slightest of inclines and began to fishtail wildly. My car floundered in the dusting. I was so confused it could not ascend this very minor incline. Other cars passed by and looked at me in horror unsure what I was doing on the side of the road. I think some of them believed I was hot-dogging it, but I wasn't. I could not get the Mustang to plow through the lightest of dustings. Came to realize later, this car was very light and would frequently fishtail in the snow, but that first storm Definitely left me perplexed. After this incident, I began to weigh the car down with weights from a weightlifting bench set, 45-pound plates that I asked my wife to carry, put in the trunk for me. (laughs) I'm only kidding. I always say that when I go into someone's finished basement and they've got a weight bench set up. I'll say, did your wife put those extra plates on because she knew we were coming? Um, So I didn't know what to do. I was floundering in this Mustang. So I turned around and I went home. I couldn't. It was the only way to go to work and I couldn't get up the hill. I called work. I said, "I, I can't get there. I want to get there, but I can't get up the hill because of the snow. They said, what snow? I said, the The dusting has rendered me incapacitated. They were like, well, it's not, it's 
didn't even snow here. I said, I know, I, I can't explain it either, but I can't get there. They're like, what do you want us to do? Give you a, do you want to take a sick day or a personal day? I said, I guess, I guess just give me a personal day because I can't get up the hill. And then I, I, after I put in for the personal day, I walked outside and there was no snow, not even on the grass. But my efforts were blown for the day. So that's my Mustang story. I rock a Mercedes now. That's right. That's right. I don't like to call attention to that because I want you to think that I'm still an everyman, that we could still relate, and I could be the type of guy you could get a beer with. But I'm not that type of guy. Clearly, I'm more civilized and cultured than you because I have a Mercedes. I do like it. I don't know if it fits the rest of my personality, but I do like it. I like the clean lines of the design. The, Of course, the seat warmers. I can never go back now to a car without seat warmers. So, and I feel like I'm in a rap song sometimes. I like when rappers name check Mercedes. I feel like, hey, that's me. That's like song. But of course, a Mercedes impresses no one up here in Bucks County. I met in an effort to uh, perhaps show further how uh, hoity-toity I am. We may or may not have a cleaning lady that comes periodically and... Uh, and we've had some cleaning ladies in the past, and uh, not this current one, but the ones in the past, A, they also drive Mercedes here in Bucks County, the cleaning ladies. And uh, and they charge nothing, next to nothing. Which leads me to believe that this is another aspect of Bucks County insurance fraud. I feel that these are Russian sex workers. House cleaning as a sort of on-the-books explanation. Because to look at them, you'd think they're Russian sex workers. So just another aspect of the complex fabric here in the Third Ring suburb. When your cleaning lady has the superior Mustang, the world is askew. My daughter is going to try out for the volleyball team in middle school. I am a huge volleyball guy. Love volleyball. Here's generally what happens. I'll generally play volleyball on an all-inclusive vacation. If we're an all-inclusive vacation, Bahamas, Mexico, what have you, just the two of us, kind of an adult getaway. I spend a good portion of my days and nights volleyball to the point where it'll be around three o'clock, and my wife will, all right, my wife will say, all right, uh, you you done then? We're gonna go back and get a shower and go to this thing that we planned that we booked. I'll say, but you don't understand. I'm I'm in the second semifinals. We have to beat this team, and then that, and then. Volleyball has ruined many a vacation in the sense of some of our couple's plans. Now, I feel like time spent playing volleyball is never ruined. You've been playing since 10 in the morning and drinking rum. This, can't, this is not what I envisioned on our couple's retreat. And I love the international 
vibe of volleyball when you play in one of these resorts. You speak the language of volleyball because some people may speak a variety of languages, but everyone understands bump, set, slam. So I wish her well, my daughter, in this endeavor to play middle school volleyball. I'm a fan. Had a fight at the school where I work. Uh, it happens on occasion, folks. Our school is neither perfect nor horrific. It is, uh, it's a typical American high school, I would say. And we do have our brawls from time to time. I've noticed I tend to jump in the brawls. Over my long and uh, historic career, I have broken up numerous fights. Not because there are numerous fights, but for some reason I find myself jumping into the middle of them. I don't know what it is. I was even asked the other day, you tend to break up a lot of fights. Why is that? I don't know. I won a bravery citation or the like a couple years ago for my propensity to jump in the middle of a brawl. I feel like it's the only way I really feel alive is being in the middle of violence and breaking it up. So it also fulfills my narcissistic hero complex. Did you see when Brian broke up the fight? But I do like getting in there. Obviously, I don't like that there's fights. I don't wish them. I don't start them. Or do I? Brian, we looked at the security camera tapes, and it looks like you actually started that fight. <laughs> Worst teacher ever. Now, I don't start them, but I break them up. Maybe it's my love of punk rock, and uh, it feels like the mosh pit again. As a 40-something punk rocker, I like to hang on the fringe of the mosh pit. No, I'm not throwing dropkick Murphys, but I am shoving that 20-something that kid back into the center of the pit. I hang on the fringe. Isn't that life in your 40s anyway? Hugging the shore safely on the fringe? I reckon I'll take that French fried potato. 1998 felt like the year the internet kind of uh, exploded. If you're a similar age as me, you were in college and you had your brother word processor. Your word processor. I do all the podcasts writing on a word processor with a green screen. I miss those brother word processors. I recall when the internet exploded, a roommate of mine uh, writing an email to someone, and I was harassing him mercilessly. Oh, what are you going to do, email? You're not going to come out? You're going to do email? I thought the internet was a fad. I misjudged the internet as a passing fad. And I said, you'll be back. You'll be back to this brother word processor. Turns out I was wrong. I don't know if you've read Consumer Reports, but I was wrong. I miscalculated. Evolutionary psychology also believes if you're playing a game of rock, paper, scissors, men tend to lead with rock, women tend to lead with scissors, a scissor. 
Maybe that can help you in your next game of rock, paper, scissors. Consider the gender you're playing. Men lead with rock, women lead with scissor. Why is that? I assume there are deep uh, Freudian psychological tie-ins. Men, power, or violence or something. Women want to cut your heart out. I don't know. But that tends to be the trend. I'm giving you the news you can use. Going to start marketing the podcast now that we're 21 episodes in, including this one, to a wider audience. I wanted to build up a number of episodes and then release it, not unlike a Netflix series in which you can binge watch or listen. So, going to flood the markets, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Snapchats. I don't know if you can do it on Snapchat. I don't know how that one works. Want to get on Instagram? Want to get the grandmom demographic? Hoping to crush the 80 to 90-year-old demographic. Grandmom's endorsing this podcast. How will I market it? Maybe long-range flyers. I marveled at the long-range negative campaign that occurred in Bucks County between Tommy Tomlinson and Tina Davis. Every day in November, I would receive a flyer of the other The black and white picture of them seemingly doing something shady. This long-range mailer attack. That's old school. I feel like grandmoms put a lot of stock in the mail and await it and must back and forth every day. Your vote teetering between Tomlinson and Davis. I might send out mailers for the podcast in which I bash other podcasts in negative ads. Joe Rogan portrayed in a black and white picture looking shady. That might be the approach I go for. Bad marketing ideas. Here's another one. I read an article about the uncontacted tribe on North Sentinel Island. Last month, a Christian missionary arrived on this island, made contact illegally with the natives said, can I talk to you about Jesus? They said no, and they instantly killed him. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's in their right to kill this missionary. He encroached on their land. I, I completely support the North Sentinese. I'm fascinated by the idea of uncontacted tribes and isolated places. The world's most remotely inhabited places. Sometimes late at night, that's the sort of thing I'll wiki. Subconsciously, do I seek to be that alone? I don't know what fascinates me so much about this topic. The most remote inhabited place in the world is located in the South Pacific, I believe. An island called Tristan da Cunha. And in order for you to visit this island, you would fly into the closest airport you land. I forget where that airport is located, but then you must take a two-week boat trip from the closest airport to get to this island. Doesn't this fascinate you folks? There are about maybe 500 people living on this island. It's just one small town. They 
have fairly uh, simplistic lodgings and are mainly sheep farmers and have a couple other uh, rudimentary things. And the dentist also serves as the mayor and the barber. And uh, everyone plays like multiple roles in the social fabric of Tristan de Kuna. Were you to visit, not only would it be a two-week boat ride, but you would have to get a number of shots and vaccinations because just like the war of the worlds to make contact with these people with your heathen diseases could fell them instantly. I love that place. Sometimes I'll go on the Facebook page of Tristan DeCuna just to see what they're all up to. They, it's interesting. They kind of genetically all look the same uh, and are plagued by some um, diseases, asthma being very uh, prominent on the island, as well as some other diseases that go hand-in-hand hand with inbreeding. Another isolated island not too far from there, but then again, very far from there isolated and alone, is the Pitcairn Islands, which were, uh, I won't say founded because I believe people were living there, but I think in the 1700s or 1800s, there was the famed Mutiny on the Bounty, in which mutineers overthrew the captain and then in a sort of mad dash crashed the vessel onto Pitcairn Island and lived out their lives there, as did their offspring. Although Pitcairn Island known for significant inbreeding and, we'll say, unhealthy sex practices. We'll say polygamy and the like. Which, you know, again, evolutionary psychology. I wonder if people are left to their own devices. Do they go tribal? Are we just one shipwreck away from acting from our true animal nature like the inhabitants of the Pitcairn Island did? Maybe. I don't have much faith in the social contract. One storm away, perhaps today's snowstorm, and the entire tentative agreement in which we live our lives might be in total upheaval. But the worst marketing idea would be selling t-shirts on the North Sentinel Island. Hi, can I talk to you about Jesus? And can I also sell this t-shirt, this Bud Light t-shirt? I would bring a bunch of Wildwood t-shirts onto the island. Slow day today. Another slow day in the t-shirt shack. I would then burn it down for insurance fraud. Another slow day. on. Can we talk to you about Jesus? No. Can we stab you in the heart? Uncontacted tribes. Blow my mind. We're trying to plan my daughter's uh, birthday party. And what do you do for these girls now and these kids? Because they've done everything. How do you even surprise them? Hey, we're going to take you to iFly where you fly. Yeah, I know, Dad. We flew last week. Oh, sorry. They're bored with flying in the air. 
Well, they've done everything. We're going to go to this trampoline, and then you can jump on the wall. To Yeah, I know. I know. Susan's party was there two days ago. Oh. You can't. You got to like, come up with stuff like, we're going to bungee jump into a shark tank. Have you done that yet? Folks, I didn't do anything growing up. The only thing I would do would be like my mom and my grandmom would take me to Kmart. And I would just be bored out of my mind at Kmart. That was like the big thing. These girls fly frequently. They are frequent frequent flyers. Unbelievably privileged. I don't even think they realize it. Maybe they do, sometimes. And then the realization fades. I say, well, for your birthday, we'll take you to Kmart. I used to work for Terminex in central Pennsylvania post-college for uh, a year or so. And uh, I loved it. It was a great job. But the biggest stressor was I worked not as a... uh, technician applying chemical to uh, eradicate bugs. I was a salesman in which I would do the inspection and then sit down in the kitchen and show the resident the literature. I would frequently say after I made a bid, a monetary bid in my mind, I would go out to my car and say, I'm going to get some of the literature and I'll be back. Um, so the biggest stressor was losing the bid, and I would frequently lose a bid to our competitor, Ehrlich, because at the time, they had a termite-sniffing dog, and I would frequently uh, get outmaneuvered by this dog. It was the two of us shared the same territory in central Pennsylvania, York County, and uh, sometimes I would win the bid. Sometimes the dog would get the best of me, so... I spent a summer matching wits with the termite-sniffing dog. Probably our closing percentage would be 60-40 in favor of the dog. I'll get him one day still. I believe he, he owns a yacht now and just really made a killing. I, uh, I'm going to make a killing though. I'm waiting for, uh, inheritance from my mother, which, uh, who knows? I think it's about $7,000. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm only kidding. But here, here's the setup really. Uh, my mom, I think is being slow played here by all of the donations she makes to the Dakota Indians through the mail. She said yes in some uh, contact they made. Can you support our Indian reservation for the Dakota tribe? And uh, it started harmlessly enough with a small donation. In return, she received some beads. Now I worry the donations are increasing. And she's being slow played by the Dakota tribe. I see more and more trinkets when I go over her house. My inheritance is going to be exchanged for wampum. My mother solely exists in the barter system with wampum 
these days. All right. That's it. Have a great Saturday. Uh, be ready for that snowstorm, folks. She's a coming. Although my wife doesn't believe it. She's a snow cynic, my wife. Snow cynic. I wrote a song about her once. As it's known. Snow cynic. The snow keeps piling. Snow cynic. As you keep denying. I thought it was a catchy song. We were in cabin fever mode at that point. I think she told... When I played the song, she told me to shut up. No, that's not true. I don't recall her reaction to the song. Anyway, winter is coming. Laters. Mm -hmm.